Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death. This is the program that is intended for all those involved in the struggle to build a culture of life in the United States. On today's program, we're going to be talking about a lot of breaking news, a lot of things that's happening over the last week or two that uh, has really put the pro-life effort in the spotlight. And some of it's good, some of it's bad, but we're going to talk all about it and bring you up to speed. Uh, but before we get into that, we want to begin our show today the way we always begin our show, and that is by praying a Hail Mary together to ask the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all involved in today's program so that our discussion will lead us to the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea whenever you start a new activity during the day to call on our Blessed Mother to guide you and to bless what you are doing so that it will turn out the way that she and her son want. Okay, um, as, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on this week. Uh, we want to start out with the Supreme Court. Uh, there were some predictable things that happened at the Supreme Court, and then there were some really surprises. Surprises not only from within side the court, but uh, outside the court as well. So let's talk about that. Uh, this week, the, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments, one hour of oral arguments, um, dealing with a case out of Louisiana. There's a law in Louisiana that requires that abortionists have admitting privileges at a hospital within 30 miles of the abortion facility. And this is done according to, to the proponents of the law to ensure that if there are any complications that the abortionist can then admit to the hospital and can uh, follow up with, with the patient going in the hospital. This is not an uncommon requirement for um, surgical centers that are not located in the hospital themselves. So uh, independent surgical centers uh, that, that are around town, they, if the requirement that the doctors have admitted, admitting privileges at local hospitals um, is, is pretty standard. Uh, but of course, the abortionists don't want to do this. And, uh, and Louisiana has a law that, that says they do. And of course, that, now they brought that to court. Now, one of the reasons that they brought it to court is that three years ago, in 2016, the Supreme Court looked at another law, this one from the state of Texas, that required admitting privileges to hospital for abortionists. And it said, no, that's unconstitutional. You can't require that. Right? But despite the fact that, that the Supreme Court ruled on that three years ago, the law in Alabama, I'm sorry, in Louisiana has been upheld uh, by lower courts. And so the Supreme Court took the case and, you know, it was assumed that there, you know, well, nobody knew exactly why the Supreme Court took the case. And there's a lot of discussion. And we we mentioned this in last week's show, so I won't go over all of that again. Um, but Supreme Court now had their oral arguments this week on that Louisiana law and the the 
people who are suing Planned Parenthood, ACLU, all of these kinds of folks, uh, their lawyer started out the, the oral argument saying, basically, these are not her exact words, but basically she said, I don't know why we're here. You already overturned this, this law in Texas three years ago. This is the same law. Why don't you just overturn it? Okay. What's the need for oral arguments? I, I mean, that was basically what she said. Uh, but the Supreme Court justices went on and, and, and asked questions and stuff. Uh, as usual with these hearings, people try to read in what the justices are asking and try to draw some conclusions as to who is in favor, you know, who is leaning what way or the other. And, and there are all kinds of opinions out there on what happened inside the courtroom. Uh, one of the things that, that seemed interesting to me is I, uh, uh read the transcript of the uh, of, of the hearings and and because I was not in the courtroom um and and you don't get live broadcasts from the Supreme Court although um it will be uh, the, the whole audio recording will be up on the Supreme Court website probably by early next week uh but one of the things is is several of the justices asked questions could there be a difference in laws between two states just because, and what they were implying, they didn't say this, but what they were implying is just because we overturned the law in Texas, right, couldn't we accept the same law in Louisiana because there were differences between the two states and there were differences um, between the, the two laws uh, that made one acceptable in, in Louisiana, but not acceptable in Texas. Right? Now, again, I'm not quoting from the justices, but that was the essence. And there were several questions about this. And, uh, and, and actually, both the, the sides um, agreed that, yes, you know, it is certainly conceivable that there would be differences between two states uh, and, you know, and they were talking any states. They weren't just talking these two. But there, it would be conceivable that there are differences and therefore one law that would be unconstitutional in one state is not necessarily unconstitutional in another state. And, and I just found that interesting because, you know, what happened back in 1973 in Roe v. Wade is you had different laws in different states on abortion. Uh, in some states, abortion was legal. Um, in some states, the abortion was illegal, except for some exceptions. And in other states, it was just ill. Abortion was just illegal. So you had these different situations in each of the states before Roe v. Wade. One of the things that Roe v. Wade said was that abortion is a constitutional right. Okay, and and therefore. None of the states are allowed to outlaw abortion. Right? That, that's essentially what they said. So from a, from a discussion back in 1973 or from a decision in 1973 that insisted that all of the states had to treat abortion as, as a legal procedure, now we get a discussion at the Supreme Court. And they were not talking about abortion totally. They were simply talking about some regulations. Um, but could states be different? Right. Is it necessary for all states to be the same? And at least among the, the lawyers representing the, the plaintiff and the defendant, the answer was, well, yeah, they could. Right. Have no idea if this is important, have no idea whether or not this is going to go anywhere, uh, whether it's going to enter into the final decision of the Supreme Court. But it was an interesting discussion that uh, had not come up at, at the previous discussions of, of um, you know, abortion cases in front of the Supreme Court. So I find that very interesting. Uh, there was no decision announced and no decision was expected to be announced. 
This week, in fact, you know, the, the normal practice of the Supreme Court, if they're holding the, the oral arguments here in March, is that nothing will be announced until June. Uh, the Supreme Court session ends in June. The Supreme Court is in session from the, the first week in October through the last week in June. That is their, their court period, if you will. And then they're off in July, August, and September. That doesn't mean they don't do any work, but they, they don't hear any cases and, and et cetera. So in July, August, and September, they're off. So generally, uh, any cases that they hear through the year, especially major cases like those affecting abortion, they get announced in June uh, and sometimes on the last day of June. Uh, before the justices head out of town. Uh, but so nothing is expected to be announced until June. So that's all we know from that. Uh, it was, uh, as I said, there, there were some interesting points to it. If you want more information to it, go to the Supreme Court of the United States website uh, and they will have and you'll see you know, places where you can click uh, to get either the transcript of the hearing um, that took place or uh, to actually hear the oral arguments. It's a one hour long uh, audio. OK, so so that's what happened inside the court. Outside the court, there were a couple of different demonstrations going on. The pro-life people were out there um, demonstrating and, and asking the court to accept the, uh, the uh, Louisiana law. Um, there was the pro-abortion people who were out there um, rallying against the acceptance and saying, no, 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 turn it down. You know, the, the abortion's got to be legal in every case, every time. All right. Um, and, and there was a, a highlight, which which really you probably have heard on if you've been following the news at all since Wednesday, which is when the court case was. But the uh, New York Senator uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, who is the Senate minority leader uh, in the United States Senate, was at the rally. And he got up on the stage and, and you know, got made an impassioned plea. Um, for the Supreme Court to uphold abortion, you know, the Senator Schumer likes the fact that you can kill babies in the womb and, and et cetera. But he made a statement and, and this is the, his statement that he made has caused all kinds of problems um, for him uh, and, and for pro-abortion forces. OK, because he stood up there and. While the hearing was going on, while the oral arguments were going on, he was on a stage outside the Supreme Court, right? And he said in the stage outside the Supreme Court, he had a message for the members of the Supreme Court, okay? And the what he said, okay, he said, I want to tell you Gorsuch. And I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You will not know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions, end quote. I'll repeat that, quote. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, and I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You will not know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions, end quote. OK, now this is the minority leader of the United States Senate, a United States senator standing up outside the court, threatening two justices who are the two newest justices on the court, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh, both of whom were appointed by 
the uh, president of the United States, Donald Trump, and were confirmed by the Senate, of which course, uh, with which Schumer is is a member. Right? He issued a threat publicly outside the Supreme Court. If you will not know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions, which means if you vote to keep the Louisiana law, then you are going to pay the price. That's what he said. A United States senator. Unheard of. And Chief Justice John Roberts, the head of the Supreme Court, there are nine justices on the court. There's the Chief Justice and then eight others. And Chief Justice John Roberts issued a public statement after the situation after all of this happened okay and and he issued the public statements telling senator schumer that this is not acceptable okay that you you can't in fact uh, say this kind of a thing and right now i'm, I'm calling up on my my computer here um gorsuch's uh, statement uh and, and gorsuch said that it is it is unacceptable that the high member of the government should issue a threat against members of the Supreme Court. Right? This is totally unacceptable in our society. And what he said was that the Supreme Court justices are used to getting criticism, but this is beyond the pale. This, this, is, this is too far, but you can be assured that the Supreme Court itself Right. We'll continue our work. Okay. Um, oh, here I found the quote. The, the, the quote is, quote, this is from Chief Justice John Roberts. He said, quote, threatening statements of this sort from the highest levels of government are not only inappropriate, they are dangerous. All members of the court will continue to do their job without fear or favor from whatever quarter, end quote. There are th actions going on in the Senate right now. There's a lot of discussion. I, I, actions is, is probably the bad word. There's a lot of discussion on what, what should the Senate do? Should the Senate censor Senator Schumer for these kinds of remarks? Senator Schumer is, well, he's not apologizing for his remarks. He's saying maybe I could have used better words. Right? But he's not apologizing. As we do this show, pro-life activism from creation to death, you know, this has brought us to a point where we're really seeing how the pro-abortion people in this country have now raised over the last three years, have raised the whole thing of abortion to either you support all abortions or we're going to get rid of you. Now, people say, well, what could he do? OK, I mean, he says, you know, you're going to pay the price. OK, what does that mean? He's going to you know, he, he said that uh, you will not know it hit you if you if you, you know, vote pro-life, essentially, if you vote against these bills. Well, what people you know, may or may not realize is just as the House of Representatives impeached President Trump, he was impeached. Okay, he did not was not found guilty. Impeachment means you charge him, and that's the job of the House. And then it's the job of the Senate to find guilty or not guilty. And, and the Senate found Trump not guilty, and so he was still, you know, for history, he will be a president that has been impeached. Impeached. Well, the the House of Representatives can also impeach Supreme Court justices. Right, it's an appointment for life, but the 
the House can bring articles of impeachment against Supreme Court justices. And if they bring articles of impeachment, they can do exactly what they did with Trump. OK. And, you know, if you know, if 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 a party um, opposed uh, to what the the Supreme Court is doing with the decisions of the Supreme Court, they can make up charges. Um, you've seen how, how that happened uh, with Trump. Uh, and they can you know hold hearings that go on forever and get all the news coverage and everything and actually remove them from office. But the Senate has to remove them from office. OK, so what, what is what is uh, Schumer saying? Schumer is basically saying, as I understand it, you know, we're going to impeach you. If, he, if you don't vote the right way, according to what we think, we're going to impeach you right? and we can do it. It's a threat from the United States Congress to the United States Supreme Court. You better do what we want. That's what it's all about. And that's what Schumer's explosive statement was all about. And could they do it? Yes. You know. We again, we've seen it with Trump. Would the Senate remove them from office? Well, it all depends on who controls the Senate, right? The reason that that Trump is still in office is that the Senate was controlled by this by the Republican Party, and the Republican Party, of course, is the same party as the president, and they decided that no, we're not going to remove you know the president from office. Had the Senate also been controlled by the Democratic Party, since the Democrats were the ones who ushered this thing through the House of Representatives, right? And it went to a Senate, and if the Senate had been majority, actually it would have to be much more than a majority because it takes it takes two thirds votes of the of the Senate to remove a, a, a president or a justice from from office. Um, but if the if the Senate was controlled sufficiently by Democrats, they could remove. Gorsuch or Kavanaugh from office. Now, what does this tell us? This tells us, number one, that this this abortion, the killing of children in this country, right, without penalty of law, is way out of hand. You get states like New York who have passed, you know, draconian abortion laws that allow abortion under any circumstance. The state of California is pretty much the same thing. The state of Illinois is pretty much the same thing. Uh, since the Democrats took over both the, uh, the both chambers um, of the government in, in Virginia, plus a, a Democratic governor, uh, you have a situation where Virginia has struck down a lot of the uh, regulation laws against abortion that were put in over the last dozen years. They're all gone now. Okay, um, you know the the, the uh, you know it's it's becoming the the Democrats are pro-abortion, the Republicans are pro-life. That's not to say that every single candidate. There are a couple of Democratic members of Congress who are pro-life. Okay, um, and the same with with Republicans. There's a couple of Republican members who are pro-abortion. Right? So it's not necessarily you, you when you vote, you have to know the candidates. I'm not telling you to vote against any Democrat or vote for any Republican. I'm just saying that's the way things are stacking up right now. Uh, it could change. Right? It could change in the next election. But we have to be careful in the next election. Because the next election, we're going to elect all the members of the House all over again. We do that every two years. And we're going to elect one third of the Senate. We do that every two years. Okay, and when is the next election? It's this year. It is the first week of November. We are right now in the first week of March. So we have 
maybe prophetically, nine months to work to make sure that in November that we elect pro-life candidates. And what we want is that the House of Representatives, the Senate of the United States, and the President of the United States would all be pro-life. That is what we're looking for. Whoever the individuals are, whatever party they belong to, that's not what we're interested in. We are interested in a pro-life House, a pro-life Senate, and a pro-life president, regardless of their parties. And that's what we need. And we have nine months to work for it. Now, I know every election, somebody comes out every and says, this is the most important election in the history of the world. Well, I won't make that statement, but let me tell you that this is a pretty important election coming up. It's not one that you want to sit out of. All right. No matter where you are, you matter what you're doing. I don't care whether you're in a nursing home or whether you're you know, a young, you know, 20 year old, 21 year old out there. Um, this is an election you do not want to sit out. This is an election where those that are pro-abortion are going to be out in droves to try to win their position. You know, the, just the, the, the statements by Schumer alone that he could think that he could stand up outside the Supreme Court and issue a threat to two sitting members of the Supreme Court and get away with it. We have a problem and we can change that. You can change that. You can change it in your town, you can change it in your city, you can change it in your state, and you can change it in Washington, D.C., but you have to do it. Right? As much as I would like to go to every voting district in the United States and with, with you know 100,000 people and vote for the pro-life candidate, I can't do that. Right? I'm only one person and I have only one vote. Right? But all of you are one person with one vote. And if we get enough people who will exercise their vote for pro-life candidates, we can win. And we can get a Congress, House and Senate, that is pro-life. And we can get a president that is pro-life. And the activities, not only inside the Supreme Court, but outside the Supreme Court, that we witnessed this week, tells us why we need to act now. And if you can look at what's going on and you can sit back and say, nah, I don't need to do anything, Please pray on it. Please pray very hard because this country is about to be split apart again. Right? The rhetoric that is going on, the level at which the rhetoric is going on, right, is reaching the fever pitch of the pre-Civil War days. And this is real. This is real. We have a Constitution of the United States. There is nothing in the Constitution that says abortion is okay. In fact, its Constitution says that the first right of every person in the United States is the right to life. So anybody who is saying it's okay to kill a living human being no matter where they reside in the United States is breaking the Constitution. And we need to understand that. And if that part of the Constitution falls, there is nothing that can save the rest of it. So please get involved. Please use this week's experience in Washington, D.C., not only inside but outside the Supreme Court. Please get involved actively in the political campaigns that are going to be going on all across the country, and let's elect pro-life people. Okay, I'm, I'm going to end my discussion on, on that right now, and I know we've taken a lot of time here at the beginning of the show. Um, but it's important. I mean, this is really important. 
this is perhaps the future of our country and our way of life. Okay, for those of you who just tuned in, my name is Jim Sedlak, and you are listening to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death on RadioMaria.us, a Christian voice in your home. We've been talking about the Supreme Court and what happened uh, this week on their discussions about the Louisiana law inside the court and on what happened outside the court. And uh, um, we're done with that piece of the discussion right now. But we need to know that this is a critical year for everybody here. And I want to go on now to, to, to a few other things that, that took place um, this week here in the United States, in various parts of the United States. Uh, let me turn our attention now to the state of Ohio, where there's some good news. You know, I don't want to you know, always have bad news, but we, we, we have good news, and there's some good news out of the state of Ohio, so I, I want to talk about that. Um, the state of Ohio, the Senate, the, the, uh, the state Senate in the, in the state of Ohio this week um, passed a law that would ban telemedicine abortions in the state of Ohio. And very quickly, because I think most of you are familiar with telemedicine abortions, but just in case we have listeners who are not, uh, there are two ways to do, well, there are a number of ways, but there are two ways that, that abortionists generally have, do abortions. One is surgical, which is invasive procedures. You know, they go in with, with uh, either suction tubes or, or uh, instruments that will cut up the baby, um, or they use a syringe, um, and, and they kill the baby that way. It's an invasive procedure. They actually go inside the woman's body. Um, but there's also a, a second way, and that's that's non-invasive. It's done with pills, um, and, and it's done with, uh, you know, the abortion pill, which is actually a two-pill regimen. Uh, the first pill is is known today as mifeprestone, right, uh, brand name mifeprex. Right in the in you know if old time pro lifers would refer to it as RU four eighty six because that was the experimental name long before it got its uh, its approval, but it's mifepristone today, and and the and the second drug is methotrexate, um, and and what happens is that if a woman is less than ten weeks pregnant, she can go in and she can be given an abortion pill, uh, the first pill the mifeprexis. Um, kills the baby. It kills the baby by blocking progesterone so it can't get to the baby and the baby needs progesterone in order to live. And so if you block the progesterone, the baby will die. Right? So the first pill kills the baby and then the second pill expels the baby, causes contractions and expels the, the now dead baby, supposedly, um, from, the, uh, from the mother's womb. And that is a medical abortion. Okay. Um, also called an abortion pill abortion. Right. Um, in Planned Parenthood pioneered a number of years ago uh, what they call telemedicine abortion, and that is uh, for their remote areas where there are no, you know, abortionists specifically there. They they set up a scheme where a woman could go into a Planned Parenthood facility that doesn't do abortions, but get hooked up by computer to a abortionist at another Planned Parenthood facility, maybe hundreds of miles away. And by the two talking to each other over the, the computer line, um, the doctor can prescribe the abortion. Um, and then someone at the facility where uh, the woman is would, would give the woman the abortion pills 
have her take one in the office, the first one, and then the second one at home. And that's called a telemedicine abortion. It's an abortion where the woman never is in the presence of the doctor. The only way she sees him or her is is by way of, of uh, the computer, you know, by way of, you know, Skype is one of the ways you could do it. There are a lot of other ways uh, to do it also. Um, and so the, this, the, there's a lot of outrage across the country over this type of abortion or, or delivery of abortion because nobody, you know, the, the, the doctor never has any um, physical contact or personal contact with the woman. Um, and, and, and the woman, had, you know, the, the facility she's at is not an abortion facility. Um, and, and if there's any problems, um, the woman is generally told, go to the emergency room. Right, so Planned Parenthood or anybody else is doing this for the most part uh, doesn't want to see her back, you know, because they don't have the the capabilities of these facilities to uh, to handle any complications. They they tell her to to go to the uh, to the emergency room, and in fact, uh, what we what we've been told by a number of women who who have been involved in this is what they're told is go to the emergency room and tell them you're having a miscarriage, and then they'll know how to handle it. Well, not quite, but you know, it's lie. Go to the emergency room. You know, when you're when you're bleeding heavily, and and that's one of the the side effects of this, um, heavy bleeding, cramping, all kinds of problems. Uh, some people have died uh, from taking after taking the pill, um, and and go to the emergency room and just tell them, oh, I'm having a miscarriage, and and uh, uh, so so the state of Ohio, the Senate has has passed a bill to ban this. Now it's not banned yet in Ohio because the bill has to be passed in the House and it has to be signed by the governor. But they've taken a a step to do that. And that happened this week, and that's a good thing to do. I, I will mention that the uh, um, that there are already 18 additional states um, that have done that, and I have the list of 18 states in front of me here. Uh, I don't know that it, it uh, it's it's worthwhile, you know, forcing you to listen to me read off the names of 18 states. Uh, but just know that you can you can do the go on the on the uh, computer. Actually, the Guttmacher Institute has a report on um, medication abortions, on abortion pill abortions, and, and what states ban them, and, and you can find out uh, the names of all 18 states, and Ohio may become the 19th. Right? But I just want you to know that, uh, that uh, some good news out of Ohio this week um, in, in taking the first step to, to ban uh, these uh, telemedicine abortions. Uh, and, and again, if it passes, they would be the 19th state to, to ban the, the abortion. So we're, we're getting up to almost half the states. Um, so we have some stuff to do with that. Okay, let me move on from that to, to the state of Washington. Now, in the state of Washington, Planned Parenthood operates a number of, of, of facilities in the state. Many of them are abortion facilities. And the the... News this week in the state of Ohio comes out of um, state of uh, Washington comes out of Spokane, Washington, where the city of Spokane has now passed a no a new noise ordinance specifically intended for those people who gather outside Planned Parenthood. Because Planned Parenthood complains that this particular group of people make so much noise that they can hear it inside the building and it disturbs them. Okay, And so they went to the city and said, we need a noise ordinance. 
uh, even though there is one in the city, um, that the that the protests uh, that the the people gathering outside Planned Parenthood, um, you know, have been following, and and you know, none of them have been arrested for violating the noise ordinance. But it was not good enough for Planned Parenthood, so they went to their friends at the city council, and the city council passed a new one that is only applicable outside healthcare facilities. Ha ha. Planned Parenthood. Right? Now, what is this all about? Well, there, there is a group in Spokane uh, called the Church at Planned Parenthood. Okay, Now, it's, it's headed by Pastor Ken Peters. And for those of you who are longtime listeners, we had Pastor Ken Peters on our show. Uh, and we talked about the Church at Planned Parenthood um, that operates in Spokane and, and many other uh, places, uh, probably another half dozen or so places, uh, not only in the state of Washington, but in some other states. And we talked about it and what they do and, and et cetera. Now, I, just to put some perspective on this, the, the Church at Planned Parenthood is, is not billed as a protest, okay? Uh, it is actually a church service. They actually have a church services outdoors next to the Planned Parenthood building. And they do it legally. They have whatever permits are needed to do it. They have the police are always there. The police are always patrolling. Um, if there's any problem with noise, the police talk to them and they, they you know, obey whatever the police instructions. There have never been any arrests out there. I mean, this is a peaceful, prayerful presence on their website. And, and what, what Pastor Ken told us while he was here, um, they say the church at Planned Parenthood is not a protest. It's a worship service at the gates of hell. The Church at Planned Parenthood is a gathering of Christians for the worship of God and corporate prayer for repentance for this nation, repentance for the apathetic church, and repentance of our blood guiltness in this abortion holocaust. It's a church service, and it's once a month. Right? It's not like they're out there every day. It's once a month. And... The church service starts at 5.30 in the evening. Right? Now, Planned Parenthood's posted hours of operation say they close at 6 o'clock. And I think like most, most businesses, 6 o'clock is, is the last time they'll take a new patient, but the patients may be there for a little while after 6, you know, in discussions or whatever. But So, so this, this church service starts at 5.30, a half hour before the, the Planned Parenthood stops taking customers, and it is one day a month, okay? But Planned Parenthood is so upset about these Christians holding a church service next to their building it, legally, they're not violating any laws, legally, that they had to find something and they decided that they were making too much noise because they get a really large crowd of people. There's a, there's a couple of hundred people there, so they do have microphones and amplifiers so that they can, you know, when they speak or when they sing a song or whatever, they can reach all of the people there, right? So this is... Planned Parenthood mania, one day a month in the evening at the end of Planned Parenthood's day, and they go to court, uh, not go to court, they go to the city council, and they get a new noise ordinance passed. And now the, the people have to adhere to a new noise ordinance, okay? Now, that's bad enough. That's bad enough, trying to restrict pro-life activity. But there's even more with this particular law. This particular law imposes 
penalties of fines and jail time. Fines and jail time. For a first offense, a person may be fined $100. Uh, by the time you get to, to a second offense, the, the, the fine goes up to $500 and 24 hours in jail. Right? And a third offense, you're, you're facing a $1,000 fine and up to 30 days in jail. Right? This is very serious penalties for being out there raising your voice to God in prayer in a church service that happens to be outdoors and happens to be next to Planned Parenthood. But even more upsetting is the law says it's not only the local police who can enforce this law, but any Planned Parenthood employee or any patient at Planned Parenthood who feels that they have been harmed by this church service out there can, in fact, sue on their own, right? It's not whether the police enforces it or not. It's not whether the police determines that the law has been broken. It is can be the suits against the Church of Planned Parenthood can be brought by individuals who only need to claim that they were impacted by this church service. Another law that says God is to be fought and that anybody who would proclaim God in a public square ought to be put in jail. I mean, that's that's where you go when you when you really start to think about this. So anyway, the the uh, the Church of Planned Parenthood has said um, that they will follow the the, the rules, whatever the, the rules tend to be. And you know, if it if it is you know deemed necessary, they may change their start time from five thirty to six o'clock so that they start. After Planned Parenthood has is officially closed for the day, even though there may be some patients still lingering inside Planned Parenthood. So they're going to try to comply with this law. But the, the law, once again, I'll emphasize, this is a church service outdoors right, next to Planned Parenthood that takes place once a month. So they have 12 of these a year. But they so disturb Planned Parenthood that they actually had to go and, and take action and get the city council to take action because they don't want any word of God to seep through their walls. And this should be a message to pro-lifers all across the country. Bring God to Planned Parenthood. Get God in what you're doing. Bring God to Planned Parenthood. Bring images of Jesus. Bring images um, of his blessed mother right, to Planned Parenthood. Uh, a lot of people I know across the country, a lot of Catholics bring images of Our Lady of Guadalupe who is pregnant in the image. So you're bringing Jesus and Mary together in front of Planned Parenthood. Do this. Do this. Bring God. This is, this is a God fight. We're fighting for the lives of God's children. And this episode this week in Spokane, Washington, demonstrates to you just how affected Planned Parenthood gets when someone brings God outside their facilities. That's what the church of Planned, at Planned Parenthood does, and that's why they're being fought so vehemently. Right? It's not because of the noise. It's not because you know they disrupt their business every day, because they're not there every day, but they're, on, they're there once a month, but they're there in force once a month, and it's working. And that's why Planned Parenthood is fighting it. So let's take that clue. This is pro-life activism from creation to death. And so let's, let's take that as our clue. 
right? If you want to really bother Planned Parenthood, bring God outside of its buildings. And if you want to contact uh, the church at Planned Parenthood, just, just go to the internet, look up the church at Planned Parenthood, contact Ken Peters, who is the head pastor there, and um, he will uh, you know, be able to help you and tell you how you can do that in your city um, and in your town and in your community. Okay. Now, as long as we're talking about bringing God outside of Planned Parenthood um, and the need to do that and activism, let me mention here, um, 40 Days for Life. Right? 40 Days for Life uh, started on Ash Wednesday, uh, which was about 10 days ago, right? and it will continue now for until Palm Sunday. And it is a gathering of, of, of people outside of, of abortion facilities in the country, and actually it's around the world. They have over 500 40 Days for Life efforts going. Uh, you can find out if there's one near, near you by going to 40daysforlife.com right? and look up locations, and then you get to put in your state or you know your city, whatever you want, however you want to search on it, and you'll find out the ones that are near you. Participate in 40 Days for Life. Right? It is, is an important thing, and it's being God outside of Planned Parenthood. So you don't even have to invent the way to do that. It's there. Now, 40 Days for Life for these 40 days is every day. Now, you don't have to be there every day. You have to be there as, as much time as you can based on your schedule. Uh, some of the uh, some of the original 40 Days for Life and many of those um, that are going on are 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 40 days. Um, others, because of their locations, because of whatever, you know, operate only only 10 or 12 hours a day. Uh, that's whatever whatever is, is operating in your area. Uh, go join your local 40 Days for Life. Be out there. Be out there in prayer. Bring God outside of Planned Parenthood with 40 Days for Life. Um, and you will, in fact, be doing the right thing and bringing the right message not only to, to uh, Planned Parenthood, but to all of the uh, customers who are walking inside Planned Parenthood. Um, they all need your help. They need to know that they should not be there, that there are other alternatives in town. And, and, you know, these 40 days for life, they generally have sidewalk activists, sidewalk counselors, have whatever name they use in, in your state. Um, they uh, uh, want to uh, uh, help women find out why they're, they're at Planned Parenthood. Maybe they're not at Planned Parenthood for, for abortion. Maybe they're there for another reason, but the, the except for abortion, there's usually a lot of places in your community where they can go for the other services. So so be out there. Right? Join your 40 Days for Life. Uh, we, we get reports uh, from 40 Days for Life uh, every day in our office here, and they already know of, of about 100 babies that have been saved um, in, the, you know, in, in this year's um, 40 days for life in, in, in just uh, in just 10 days. Um, they have 30 more days to go, so there's plenty of time for you to be out there and to join in this. And if you don't have a 40 days for life, that's okay. You know, find where your local abortionist is, whether, you know, it doesn't make any difference whether it's Planned Parenthood or another abortionist. Right? Be outside of their facility saying prayers. Praying for the women going in, praying especially for the preborn children going in. Um, we need to be out in prayer. And you can do that. We never recommend people go out by themselves just for safety reasons. But two or three people, you know, God said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there with them. And so, you know, don't go out by yourself. It's not a good idea. But get another person or two other people or five other people, right? And go out there and know that when you're out there, God will be there with you because he said he would. He said, when you gather two or more people, 
I will be there with you. All right, so go on out and pick it with God today. Right, go on out and just say, okay, God, you and me and Mary and John and, and Harry are going to go down to the, the abortion facility. Not a problem. Not a problem. God would love to be there. He would love to have you bring him there. That's where he wants to be. Okay. So we have our, our show for today. Um, it is it is imperative that you get involved in, in the elections this year, uh, but it is also imperative that you bring God to Planned Parenthood and all the other abortion facilities. We'll end our program now the way we always end our program by asking our Blessed Mother, Mother of God, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.